This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air into left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas with his first big league hit. It's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show. Happy Mother's Day. Today on the program, we're going to chat with Charlie Morton. We'll hear from his wonderful wife, Cindy, too, about being a mom of four. Dave, Andy, and Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun will join us for our latest roundtable. We'll introduce you to pitching prospect Josh Fleming and hear stories from several race players about their moms. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and our feature guest this week is Charlie Morton. Charlie, first of all, since this is Mother's Day, um, give us an idea of what your mom meant to you growing up and maybe what stands out in your baseball life. Yeah, so my mom was, she grew up being into baseball. Her dad played professionally for a little bit in the the minor leagues. My grandfather played in the minor leagues a little bit, and so she grew up around baseball. And, I mean, from a really young age, she was incredibly involved and sacrificed a lot of her time to take me to practices and games one of my first memories um of my mom and baseball and organized baseball was when she drove me to uh to tryouts we had um we had tryouts in a gym in connecticut <clears throat> and you know, like you you I, I don't really remember a whole lot of it but that is something that i do remember is the the ride home with my mom and um i remember they they, they want to see you throw they want to see you swing the bat you know and and I remember having a discussion with my mom about how I did, and because <laughs> I don't remember doing too well, um, you know, through the ups and downs and the, the successes and the failures, my mom was always, you know, both my parents were extremely supportive and, and heavily involved. But yeah, so to this day, she's she's one of my, if not my biggest fan, and um, I love her. When you won a ring with Houston, how much did all of that support? on the family side mean to you at that moment? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think my mom has always been more concerned with who I was as a person than as a baseball player. So as I, to be able to, I think, I think she was, she was proud of me because I succeeded in baseball and I succeeded on a team that won a world series. So I think she was really happy for me that I was able to experience that. But I think she also probably the more meaningful, the more meaningful things were the struggles and the failures, and being able to be a, you know, a, su- a support figure d- during not just in pro ball but also just coming up, 
um, in the minor leagues and little league and Babe Ruth and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I mean, she's she's a proud mom. She's a proud baseball mom. What are the attributes maybe of her that you think you have picked up along the way? You talk about, you know, as a person. Um, I'm not sure. I I I try not to attribute traits to a particular parent because you have to take the good with the bad. So it's like, you know, you don't want to necessarily assign yourself those those traits, but my mom my mom um I mean, obviously this is before way before I was born, but she was a uh, she wanted she worked really really hard as a student in 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 school, high school and college. She wound up going to Temple Medical School, became a physician in an era where females um, were less involved in the medical field. Um, I always, I always looked up to her because I felt like, you know, she was, she was driven and applied, you know, what she was given to succeed, and you know, really self-driven. So I always admired that about her. Um, so. I wouldn't necessarily say that some that I got that from her, but it, certainly growing up, you look to people as you know for a role model or an example, and that is one thing I always admired about her. And obviously, a pretty good example indeed. And you're a good example for your four kids, but I would imagine your wife Cindy is as well. And I know in this game baseball wives have to do so much of the heavy lifting in and out of season what has she meant and what kind of mom is she to your four children she's the bee's knees you know they're in in the day-to-day there's a lot that gets lost because uh you know we get in a routine here with baseball and she's gotten into a routine while i'm away or you know where i'm at the field the better part of a day even when we're home so you know, I, I get to see that sometimes when she goes and does something on the rare occasion where she goes and does something for herself and I'm taking care of a couple of the kids. And, and I mean, it, for her, it just comes naturally. And But, you know, when she's tired or, you know, she's worn out a little bit and hasn't gotten any sleep and she's still got responsibilities, get the school, kids to school early in the morning, you know, and take care of the kids that are home. I mean, we got four of them, so it's it's a lot for her to deal with on her own. And yeah, I I admire her. she's she's set aside um, a lot of her own interests and wants and desires to to be a a, a great mom, a, a great wife. And I mean, she's the she's the rock of the house, and she's been amazing. Part of the reason you came here, in fact, was for family reasons, because you were so close to family. It's early. You've only been here for a couple months plus spring training. But how is it? how much have you enjoyed the environment and the fact that you are able to drive to your house every day? Yeah, so that's really weird. It's not, it's not, it's not so weird for spring training because um, I was with the Pirates for a long time in there in Bradenton, and then I was with the Phillies. I was commuting to Clearwater. Um, really the only time I've had to, to leave the house you know, since I've, I've been with my wife, or since we've been married, was uh, for the Astros, and she packed up all the stuff, and you know, we moved to West Palm. But to be able to know that I'm going to spend time with her and the kids, 
you know, because our oldest, like I said, is, he's in school, and they were going to be here in Bradenton regardless of where I was uh, until the end of the school year. So to be able to go home and, and see them and see her, and it's made life uh, in baseball a lot easier. And from that perspective, how much do you think that can help over the course of your tenure here? I mean, a lot of people would say peace of mind usually can help performance. Yeah, um, I think I think there's a there is a peace of mind when I you know I, I lay down at night and I'm in my own home with my family and but I think I know that they're in a in a good spot they're in a routine in a place that they're comfortable at home and because I, I know you know packing up for spring training packing up to go the season and packing up to go home. And you spent a lot of different. You spent a lot of time in different places, and uh, this was big for normalcy for my family, and that's you know puts me at ease. How much have you enjoyed this clubhouse so far, and how similar and different are the environments from here and Houston, where you won? Very similar. The um, this is a, a a much younger clubhouse, but like the Astros. The younger guys are an intricate part of what everyone's trying to accomplish, and you know I've been in um, I've been in some places where the you know the the younger guys kind of get pushed around a little bit in the hierarchy and not really made to feel as important as they are to winning. That that was pretty rare, um, but here I mean everyone is pretty much made to feel equal at least comfortable which is a big deal when you walk when you come to the clubhouse that's your clubhouse you know that's a that's a place where you're supposed to feel at home and comfortable and um and it makes it a lot easier to get for guys to produce instead of feeling like they're they're encroaching on someone else's space or they're you know they have to play three four years before they belong quote unquote and so it, it, there's, it's similar in that sense. Um, the character of the guys in the clubhouse, the guys care about each other a lot, very close-knit, and that makes that makes competing a lot easier. You know, you know everybody's got each other's back, and it's a motivating factor when you know everybody cares about each other. So, and and those really those things are really the most important. You know, that they you have guys that care about each other, and that the that everyone feels like they belong in the in the clubhouse and in the group. The other thing that I've heard from players current and past is how good the medical staff is. What have you thought so far as you've gotten to get to know this group of training staff? They're really knowledgeable. They, uh, but you know, the the thing, honestly, the, the the big thing about them is isn't just their competency, but it's the amount of time that they'll give you without making you feel like you're taking up too much of it. They're in there working nonstop. The second guys get here, they need treatment. And and I haven't seen anybody... Like, oh, There's like this like this stigma around going in the training room, especially for younger guys. And here, the, guy, the, the, the whole staff in there, they're just... They're accommodating and... And, uh, and sacrifice their, their time, you know, and without a, you know, making you feel like you're doing something wrong or you're 
occupying a space you shouldn't be occupying. So they just want to get everybody right and get them on the field, keep them on the field. Which obviously is part of that whole family environment that the Rays have created here. And obviously the goal is to win a championship, and you were part of that, as we mentioned. Is there a moment, when when that moment happened, that last out recorded, is there something that behind the story that hasn't been said already that you think back to and and think is important that's a piece of either that day for you or or that year um that means more well i don't know i don't know if i'm sure it's been said and i'm i'm sure it might have come off as cliche but really when it when it was happening and when it ended like when we were going through the playoffs in 2017 there was this uh there's always this underlying desire to, to win for each other. And when we did it, we just wanted to experience it together even more. Like It was just a such a close-knit group. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. From the beginning of that season to the last out and carrying over, I'm sure that the environment there is still very similar because that it's really, really important to want to want to achieve something but want to achieve it for something other than yourself and that's what we did in Houston in 2017 there was I think the the city the city just pulling for us as hard as they did in spite of the in spite of uh, Harvey just wreaking havoc there and you know towards the end of the summer and um, kind of rallied around that and rallied around each other and when we got that last out, it's like around the field and doing these interviews, and like you know, talking to people, people are asking you questions. But really, it's like really just wanted to get back in the clubhouse and celebrate with the guys because that's that's who you want it with. You know, it wasn't you know things like that kind of become about individual individual achievements and individual discussions and things like that. But really, if you go back and you look at that, you know, the playoffs in '17, it was like just a complete team effort top to bottom so that's what i'll remember the most well let's hope for sure that there's another moment like that in your time here with tampa bay and we certainly appreciate some time in this week in race baseball yeah thanks for having me that's charlie morton and we'll continue on this mother's day right after this you're listening to the race baseball network Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. Neil Solon's with you on this Mother's Day morning. Joined now by uh, Dave Wills and Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun for our monthly roundtable. Morning, guys. How are you? We're doing very well, Neil. How are you? Good, good. How important to both of you do you think yesterday's win was? Because I I was kind of surprised to hear Kevin Cash after the game saying that uh, before that loss, he called it the low point of the year with the glass now injury, and he really felt that that was a much, much needed win. Well, I think it was a much-needed win. I'm not going to say it was a must-win. I know that we talked about a must-win earlier in the week, I think, when Tommy Pham was throwing that around. But I think it was a much-needed win. The mood around here after Friday's game might have been the worst it's been so far this season. I mean, not only with the news of Tyler Glass now, but also losing Mike Zanino, and you're wondering what are we going to do as far as the catchy core for the next three weeks. Uh, you know, and, and then you lose the game to the Yankees, and they're playing fairly well, even though that half their team isn't even you know healthy. So... I think yesterday was a much-needed win. It was a nice bounce back. I think, you know, again, the guys are kind of uh, bopping around today a little bit better. I felt a heck of a lot better when the game was over. But I, I do know that there's a lot of games left on the schedule, B.A., but 
I, I think that was one of those uh, elixirs that just made everybody feel a little bit better after a bummer of a game on Friday night. Yeah, w- without a doubt. I, and and like you said, not a must win. And in fact, you know, where, where last night's win was, it was an important win for the Rays. I wish that... that we would tap the brakes a little bit on some of the, you know, I understand that these guys trying to hold each other accountable and trying to make sure that, that each guy brings it each and every night. But when you're talking about huge series, must win, it's, we're not even to the middle of May yet. Let's tap the brakes on that because, you know, think about what the team looked like early in the game on Friday before things calmed down. I mean, there was a lot of jumpy. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a, a lot of jumpiness out there in the field, and it, it is a you know a younger team that's over-amped for, you know, it, it is a big series, but at the same time, you got to, you know, just, like I said, tap the brakes on the must-wins so early in the season. However, after what transpired on Friday night, the team coming back, taking the lead, and, and then obviously losing that game and, uh, you know, Glass now going down, the catching situation and you know with two new guys having to try to go out and make a deal and you bring in Darno and all of that uh, it certainly is a nice win and it's actually nice to get back on the field right away a quick turnaround and play a day game here today how impressed were both of you with Travis Darno you you brought up the catching situation I mean he took a red-eye flight he got parts of a night of sleep coming across from LA and he has to catch some guys with some pretty good stuff too and he looked very relaxed back there I was very impressed because I know that, you know, a catcher, it's one thing if you're a call-up, uh, but you've had some, you know, dealings with these guys. In spring training, you've been able to catch some bullpens and maybe even a, you know, a couple of spring training games and have an idea of what they, what their stuff does, what they like to do. But to come over cold, you talked about all the travel. That certainly adds a, another degree of difficulty in what he's trying to accomplish. But then you're coming over and you're catching some electric stuff from guys you've probably never caught before. And and not only that, you don't, you're not even really sure how they like to sequence. Mm-hmm. What you know, a catcher that spends time with these pitchers, they get in, you know, they get in sync, and and from one pitch to the next, they just have a feel for what this pitcher wants to do. And he's coming in cold, and uh, and went out and, and gave a very nice accounting of himself. So I was I was very impressed, and I know that everybody you know around the team felt the same way. I agree with BA, and uh, you know. I- He's gonna. He's the guy that's putting the fingers down, but ultimately it's the guy on the mound who has to make the pitch. And if you're on the mound and you're overthinking it or you're wondering, all right, why is this guy doing this and what's going on, it could really be somewhat disruptive. We didn't see that on the mound yesterday from any of the Rays pitchers. I thought he did a marvelous job, and he also kind of set the tone by the pickoff play at second base early on in the ballgame too, and I think that might even calm him down a yeah. little bit because he made kind of a big play right there to allow him to feel like, all right, I'm already part of the team right now. And you know what? And an offshoot of that, that's why I'm so intrigued to watch Anthony Bembo mm-hmm. here th- mm. this afternoon You know, with Blake Snell on the mound. How is he going to you know, handle that? All, What's he going to be like behind the Bla- plate? All Blake's been talking about when he's had struggles is sequencing, sequencing, sequencing. Here's a guy that I, I'm not even sure. Did he catch him on the side down in right. Charlotte? Did he catch him for an inning somewhere uh, in the backfields? I mean, uh, sequencing is a big part of Blake's game, and Kevin Cash talked about it, and he'll be on the pregame show here in a little while, Neil. He said, hey, this might be the time where Blake, who was actually younger than, than Ben Boom, might have to be the veteran and just sit there and say, all right, I'm going to have to be the one that calms down here and make sure that this guy's putting the right fingers down. So it's going to be kind of, that's going to be very, very interesting to watch here later this afternoon as well. That was the kind of line I think I was going with. Maybe, B.A., you can speak to us from experience. When you've got a catcher you don't know or don't know extremely well, do you basically just drive the bus, so to speak, for that day? 
Yeah, you know, you, I mean, you're going to sit down and, and go over the uh, the scouting reports of the, the lineup that the Yankees put out. This is what I'd like to do to this guy. These are the pitches I'd like to incorporate. Obviously, that all can change on the fly depending on the hitter's approach and all of that. But you just get some bullet points or give some bullet, point, bullet points, I should say, of what you like to do. You know, I like to establish fastball down. I want to establish my fastball in early in the game. You know, whatever it may be, and then you just kind of roll from there. But at the end of the day, just like Dave said, the pitcher is responsible for what happens after the ball leaves his hand. So you have to come in with a game plan that you know that you want to execute. Most pitchers do, and most pitchers from one pitch to the next know what they want to go to. You know, you let one pitch go and you say, okay, I'm going to bounce back with this one. You have an idea of that almost immediately, and the key for the pitcher, in this case Blake Snell, is to stick to that instinct. You know, when you throw a pitch and you want to now come with the with, with the curveball or with the fastball in, then stick to that and, and don't be talked out of it. And, and I think the other thing, too, B.A. may be with Ben Boom, put the, put the fingers down fast. Yeah. I mean, put them down. Don't let Blake overthink. Don't you overthink as a catcher. Put him down and if Blake shakes you off, come right back with another pitch. Yeah. But don't overthink it behind the plate and really mess up everything. And you certainly hope things go well. I mean, in terms of storylines, I mean, could you ask for more for Anthony today? You get to catch last year's Cy Young Award winner. You're eight years into your pro career. You're finally getting to the big leagues at 29. It's Mother's Day, and your wife, your mom, your dad are all in the stands watching. Yeah, don't mess it up. You know, don't, <laughs> don't mess it up for everybody. Just go out there and, and you know, make the most of it. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's the weird ways that opportunity happens, and, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, again, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of butterflies, but when 95, 96 is coming at you, you don't have time to think about those butterflies. You just got to go out there and hopefully do your job and keep it as simple as possible and help the Rays win a series. Yeah, you know, understand that this is an opportunity of a lifetime and go out and play ball. You've been doing it for an awful long time, and it's nice because he's going to be out there behind the plate when this game starts. First pitch or two, boy, that's going to wake you up and get you into the flow, and, uh, you know, hopefully he can roll from there. For, you know, Blake talked about it yesterday uh, before the start that he that the loss of Tyler Glass. Now, how in in both your minds does this group overcome that after they get through these off days? Because I think they can work around him in this stretch of four off days and eleven days. But after that, then they really have to kind of figure things out. Well, you know what? You're going to have to go with next man up. I mean, someone's going to have to fill those shoes, and they're awfully big shoes from what he was able to do, you know, March, April into May. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see really how the front office handles it because, you know, you take a guy like Chirinos or Jalen Beeks and you move them into the rotation, I think you're going to have to have at least three guys that are designated starters, whether they were bulk guys before or not. At least three designated starters, but then that spreads your bulk guys thin and uh, you know it puts a lot of you know a lot more pressure on whoever's going to step into that rotation to keep it rolling so it'll be interesting to see how the pitching staff is supplemented but the one nice thing you know uh, about this team is they're going to be proactive in making this team better and keeping it you know in line and I think that they feel that this could be a very special season here all summer long and you know and into the postseason for that matter so they're going to do everything that they can to make sure that this team does not skip a beat uh but you're right they they can play with it for a little while and then you're going to have some tough decisions to make and some guys are going to have to step up and perform 
and, and they're going to overthink it. I mean, they, you know, that's what we do. I mean, it's what the Rays do. They're going to they're going to really, really break it down to maybe, uh, you know, again, maybe not a designated starter. As I heard you, Neil, yesterday during the postgame show, you know, Yanni doesn't quite match up with a couple of the teams that might be coming up. So maybe you do a Ryan Yarbrough and you keep Yanni as a bulk guy. But I think in my mind and watching Yanni, and I know yesterday was only four innings, but I, I think he deserves a shot to be one of the three starters for this team, the way that he's been pitching. He's been giving us innings. He's been out there, and he's been able to maneuver his way. I think we're also starting to see, even yesterday was a good example of when, you know, in, in the past when the innings started to get away from him, it got away from him. And yesterday the innings started to get away from him, and he was able to make a couple of pitches, get a big ground ball double play, and make some pitches to get out of it. So I'd love to see them just kind of slide Yanni into that spot and then move up uh, Yarbrough Beaks or whatever into more of a bulk guy or bring up another righty and make – I mean, Sadler could be a bulk guy. I think we're mm-hmm. starting to see him uh, be uh, stretched out a little bit. And he's shown that uh, he's been able to get some outs over multiple innings. So, you know, maybe we just piggyback a couple of those starts. I don't know. But we'll have to uh, wait and see. But you, i got to believe that there will be meetings upon meetings upon <laughs> meetings to try to figure this out. Yeah, stay tuned. That, that will be interesting. And, and to your point on Yanni Chirinos, the one thing that stands out is his ability when the inning starts to speed up, his ability to slow it down uh, and to make pitches and make adjustments, more importantly, mm-hmm. to get the ball where he needs to. And, and I would love to see him slide in there and uh, and get that opportunity to go out there for 100 pitches. And he sped it up yesterday for a little while, hit Luke Voigt. You know, it seemed like he got yeah. frustrated yeah. and things started moving fast. And then he tried to overthrow and he hit Luke Voigt. And then he got through a splitter and hit Sanchez. And that inning really, really could have blown up on him. And I think, again, uh, part of his maturity process here, he was able to take a breath. And, you know, it was a bullet, but it was a double play. And then he was able to get another out. And uh, I think that was huge. From that end, um, CeCe Zabathia and a lot of Yankees made a big deal of that after the game. Do you think we see any follow-up to that today or perhaps even next weekend in New York since these teams play two out of three series against one another? You know what? I, I think at some point it's going to flare up. I absolutely think at some point it's going to flare up. You know, you think about CC Sabathia a season ago, you know, hitting Sucre and then looking right into the Rays' dugout and telling them what he told them. Um, and then yesterday, of course, he's leading the way out there, and, mm-hmm. and they're talking about it and chirping about it after the game. I, I, I absolutely think that something's going to flare up at some point. wouldn't surprise me. It would maybe surprise me if it was today, but certainly by the time that the team goes to New York on their home turf, that something's going to come uh, of it. And I hope that this race team stands up absolutely. for themselves and goes out there, much like they did in 08 in the spring training fight and all that stuff, and say, listen, done. Done with you pointing into our dugout. Done with you chirping about pitches that got away. You want to go? Let's go. And and if they want to meet him out there and go at it, I think that would send a, a, a wonderful message and be uh, be great for the team. But but I didn't like last year the pointing into the dugout no. and nothing happening. And so now if they want to if they want to get froggy about it, I hope our boys meet him halfway. Yeah, and, and you know again, I, I, there was no retribution by Yanni and what he was doing. I think the world just sped up on him, and he tried to maybe pitch up and in, and he's not really good at that right now. He still doesn't, uh, that's not a big part of his game. So, you know, for CC to do what he did, I mean, I guess he's the leader of the team and has to show that uh, I'm going to stand up for my guys, but there was no nothing on purpose there. And as a matter of fact, all that nonsense last year started when the Yankees hit a couple of our guys earlier in the weekend when you've got two pitchers that were going and, and dotting the ball wherever they wanted to and then Jake Bowers got dotted on the hands and somebody else I forgot who got hit earlier in that uh, series and so it was kind of retribution for that finally that the Rays stepped up because last year the Rays were getting hit by pitches at about a 4-1 to pace to what their pitchers <laughs> yeah. were hitting the opponents so you know there, there's no way that we were hitting guys 
on purpose, and we finally, I think, had enough, and I agree with B.A. I hope that this uh, race team's ready to step up and, and defend their turf. I mean, it, it goes back to 08, to what uh, Trevor Miller said uh, back in February. He said, we got to start punching the bullies back in the nose when they hit us, and if they get back up to hit us, we got to hit them again, and I think the Rays have to show that they're ready to stand up to the big boys here in the American League East. Well, it's going to make for a good game, a good final game of this series, and a real fun series, I'm sure, next weekend, and I think uh, you guys would agree, a good year an interesting year all year long in the East. Thanks, guys, for a few minutes. Have a good call today. Neil, Thanks, thank you. Neil. You got it. That's Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun, and, of course, Dave Wills will be on the pregame show coming up at the bottom of the hour as we get set for the last of these three with the Rays and Yankees. Right now, why don't we pause for station identification. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball, and as we've talked about, the race have such a deep system. There are probably a number of guys who maybe don't get the national attention or even local that they deserve, and one of those is pitching in Double A Montgomery's having a fantastic year so far, and that's Josh Fleming. Josh, thanks very much for a few minutes. Yep, thank you for having me. First of all, before we discuss your season to date, um, you have a really interesting story. I mean, you were a fifth-round pick uh, two years ago, first-ever pick out of Webster University, a Division mm-hmm. three school in St. Louis. What did that mean, yep. and as, as you hold that, how, how, how important is that to you as you climb your way to the big leagues? Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's cool being, you know, one of, I don't know how many, maybe a handful guys taken, you know, in the draft from a D3 school. So it's, it's very cool to me, and... Uh, you know, I just I just want to get out there and prove that you know I I belong out here just with you know everyone else. So it's very cool. When did you think a pro career was possible when you were at college? I would say after my freshman year, uh, my coach kind of came up to me and, and I had never hit 90 uh, miles an hour before on the gun. And uh, after my first appearance actually in college, I hit 90. My coach came up to me and he goes, you know, I really think that you can make a career out of this. Um, but you got to work hard and everything. And so right around my freshman year, I just kind of, <clears throat> I took everything, you know, way more seriously than I had before. You know, I was, you know, working out twice as hard. I was eating right and it worked. Obviously. And you're having a, a terrific year. You know, I also had read that you had put on in your college career, what, about 35 pounds in the weight room with that hard work. When you started college, yeah. where were you and where are you now? I got, I came in my freshman year at 160 at 160 pounds and right now I'm about 215 so from actually from my freshman to sophomore year I put on those 30 pounds I've been kind of been put on I put on a little bit more after that but I've been trying to maintain around 210 215. How has your game grown uh obviously beyond the weight but how's your your game on the mound grown I know you're having a pretty good year. You know in college I being from a D3 school, I guess I consider myself more of a power pitcher. I could blow blow my fastball by people, but you know I quickly learned once I got into pro ball that <clears throat> that wasn't the case, and everyone threw just as hard as me, even harder. So I kind of adapted into uh, like a sinker baller, and you know I just pitched to contact and I let uh, my defense play behind me and and let the other team put the ball into play, and and so I think um, you know since college I've really worked on. You know, just locating every pitch that I can that I have for a strike. And uh, so far, it's been pretty successful. Especially this season. I mean, you've walked uh, your first six starts. You've walked just four batters. How have the Rays helped you grow? Because they have such a reputation for growing young pitchers. Um, you know, they, the one thing they really preach to the pitchers is, is strike one. And so, 
I forget what the numbers are, but it's a pretty significant number when you get strike one, how many times the batter gets out. That's really been, you know, big for me is, and, you know, it helps me not walk guys as well. But once I get strike one, you know, I'm ahead of the batter and I can attack them how I want to attack them. And so that's, that's really helped me. And so I would say with them preaching, you know, strike one, that's, that's been really huge for me. You mentioned you're a sinker ball guy, but what else do you throw and how have those pitches matured as you've been with the Rays? Along with the sinker, I have a changeup, a slider, and a curveball. I also throw a four-seam kind of 0-2, 1-2 up in the zone a little bit, but uh, you know, mainly the sinker is like my fastball. But you know, I've really developed those pitches a lot since college and since being drafted. Um, I know the curveball is right now that's my fourth pitch. It's not my best. Um, so I'm still developing that one, but you know, my my changeup and slider have been really, really good um, lately. You know, those have just been, I mean, the go-to off-speed pitches along with the sinker. So, I mean, they've been really, really good for me as of late. Where have the analytics that the Rays use helped you uh, mature and grow and improve your game? Yeah, I mean, every after every start, we always get you know our feedback back from the trackman that has you know the like it has our plots from where our pitches were, it has our release point, it has our extensions, it has, you know, our spin rates and stuff. And so really using that, I've just been trying to, you know, maintain, you know, the act, the spin axes of, of all my pitches. And that, that's one thing that I was working on in spring training was trying to keep a consistent release point with all of my pitches so that the axis is the same. Um, so it creates, you know, all the movement and everything. You've been starting only so far this year. Is there any chance they may use an opener in front of you at some point? And how receptive are you to that? I know the Rays have done it in their double A with their double A teams with all their uh, full season affiliates. Um, I was open for a couple times last year when I was in Port Charlotte. But you know, I just when I'm getting open for, I just keep the same mentality like I'm starting, and and you know, the warm ups always the same and. And how I get ready is always the same, so nothing really changes when it comes to uh, when it comes to getting ready. You've got some pretty good lefties that are competing there with you, some pretty good pitchers overall. But Brendan McKay, how have you guys uh, gotten to know one another, and how have you helped one another competing, you know, alongside one another? Oh, uh, we're actually roommates, so um, <laughs> we we talk a lot with each other. I mean, he's he's about as good as it comes when it comes to left-hand pitchers in the, in the entire league and and minors. I mean, he is. I mean, he's something special, and, and watching him throw, is it, it's really it's a gift, you know, to see that. It's really, really cool. But, you know, he's helped me a lot with, with my curveball because I know he has one of the best curveballs that I've seen. So he, he's actually been helping me with that a lot um, when it comes to grip and just, like, trying to get the right release point with it. And, um, you know, he's helped me with my changeup a lot. So we, we talk quite a bit, you know, in the dugout, in our rooms, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it's great being able to work with him and and yeah seeing your social media does he uh like game of thrones as much as uh you do <laughs> he does not he he has never really seen it he's been we have game of thrones watch parties now that season eight's out but uh, i mean he's come to a couple of them but he's actually never seen the full show we're trying to convince him but i, I don't know if that'll work he is from a part of uh pennsylvania not too far from where the office was filmed and i know you like that show too do you do you at least have that oh, in common yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm actually not even sure if he's seen The Office. I hope he has, because that's. I mean, that's my favorite. I mean, besides Game of Thrones, that The Office is 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 the best show out there. I think quite a few people watch that. So I'm I'm hoping he is one of them. <laughs> You're obviously off to a very good start on the field. Uh, congratulations! I know off the field too. You got engaged uh, right before spring training, right? I did. Yes. 
how, how settling is all of that for you, and how much does that help to have someone who's you know you know is in your corner every day? I think it's awesome. You know, I love my fiance so much, and she she's always been you know supportive of me since day one. And so you know, always you know after a game, I always come come out of the field, and I always have a text from her and everything. And so it's just it's so awesome you know to have that all the time. And you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And Katie's a former college athlete at Webster too. So does that help to have someone who at least has an understanding of sports and and life in sports? Oh yeah, yeah. She is just about as competitive as me. So she is always, you know, rooting for me. She always gets mad when I get mad, and so she she understands all of it. Well, continued success on the mound. Very happy for what you've accomplished so far this year, and hopefully continued growth and continuing uh, that climb up the ladder. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate it. And that is Josh Fleming, left-handed pitcher for the Montgomery Biscuits. He actually got a win last night following an opener. He's now 4-2 and two with a 2-7 ERA, and he's walked only five batters in his first seven appearances. Pretty impressive numbers for the left-hander. Now, coming up on this week in Rays Baseball, you'll hear from Charlie Morton's wife, Cindy, and stories from many Rays players about their moms on this Mother's Day. Thanks for joining us. This is the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Happy Mother's Day. On this Mother's Day, who better to speak with than a mom in the race family? And joining me right now is Cindy Morton, mom to four children. Happy Mother's Day, Cindy, and thanks very much for being with us. Thank you. Um, it's just a time, I think, to spend with my kids and kind of relax. Um, and, of course, my mom and my mother-in-law to celebrate them as well and all the other moms out there. As a kid, what did you remember about Mother's Day? Um, and were you one who put, uh, you know, some artwork together that Mom ended up putting on the fridge or anything cute like that? I think so. We were pretty crafty kids, so we used to make the little handmade cards and glue all sorts of stuff on there, the macaroni noodle necklace and all of that. Um, I think we used to do a brunch for her on Sunday and celebrate her that way. And has that tradition uh, continued, or are the challenges of a baseball mom a little more difficult? Yeah, I mean, she's up north, so we don't get to celebrate with her that often. She's with my two sisters, so they usually do something like that all together, because they're all moms now, too. So they kind of take over that part when we can't during the season. How do you see yourself in your mom, Cindy? How do I see myself in my mom? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think when you become a parent, all that starts to come out. I'm sure you can mm-hmm. relate to that. <laughs> you see little things that you do the same. Like she was always very hands-on with us, with doing doing the crafts and being creative. And I think I get that from her. Sure, exactly. Besides that, it's starting to to see it more. I guess now. <laughs> <laughs> As as a, a, a mom um, in a baseball family, what to you are the greatest challenges? Because certainly I, I think um, anyone who's in this business would agree that a lot is put on the, the wives during the course, of, especially during the course of a season. Yeah, it's a big transition for everybody. So you go from the off season where dad's home all the time at night and a lot during the afternoon and it's very hands-on and then spring training they're still home at night and the season comes and it's a complete 180 so you're just you know for the kids they're used to them being there so it's hard on them to all of a sudden not have him around and I think as a mom you you kind of try to deal with it as best you can and take on the role of both parents during that time and that can be tricky 
Sure. And and I guess the biggest plus or difference this year is you've got actually Charlie home and, and legitimately home um, in terms of the team he signed with. How much has that helped um, and how much have you enjoyed it so far and the kids enjoyed it? That's been amazing. We um, Our son just started kindergarten this year, so we were going to stay regardless and just do summers with him from this point on so Cam could kind of have the routine and stay in the same school, stay with friends. So when we found out that he was going to sign with them, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't because it's just perfect timing for us as a family to be able to stay home because the thought of doing those three months apart was scary. We've never been apart from him that long. So for them to be able to stay in their routine and just kind of go to school and when Charlie's home, uh, the team's home, he can still take Cam to school and be involved in that way. So it's really been such a blessing. And you've got four kids, what, between uh, less than a year and six years old? Yes. <laughs> Cam is turning six in two weeks, and our baby is seven months. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been a crazy couple of years. No question about that. What, um, mm-hmm. as they start to get older, or at least Cam is a little bit older, how, I mean, how much do you see yourself and how much do you see Charlie and the kids? I think little things in all of them I can see. I can see Charlie more. I think it's hard to see yourself in your kids as much, mm-hmm. but I can see pieces of Charlie and Cam and then in Gracie and Benji and Emmy's still pretty little. They definitely all have parts of him, which is neat to see that come out in their personality. Obviously, this is, uh, you know, hopefully the start of a a good couple of years at home, but also playing Mm -hmm. for the hometown team. Did you have, I mean, you mentioned how thrilled you were. Were you hoping for something like this? I didn't expect it at all, to be honest, because we kind of talked about it knowing he was going to be a free agent last uh, summer. We just didn't think that it would happen. And when I was talking to his agent kind of while all this was unfolding, I was like, no way. <laughs> like that, It is just too perfect. But then it worked out. And like I said before, it's just been amazing to be able to stay home. And not only that, but on Mother's Day, the guys are, rather than go to Miami immediately, they're going to stay home. And I know that Charlie's going to get an extra day with you guys, which has to be enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah. And the past couple of years, he hasn't been home. So we'll be able to spend the night together. And that's a treat in itself. Well, enjoy that. Enjoy your Mother's Day. And I certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that is Cindy Morton. We certainly wish her and all the Rays wives uh, and all the moms listening out there today a very, very happy Mother's Day. And as we like to do each season, the race players provide me with some great and inspirational stories about their moms, like Kevin Kiermeyer about his mom, Chris. All the miles that she put on taking us to practice every day and, you know, driving home and coming back to pick us up, football, baseball, basketball, it's, it's unbelievable. I could sit here and talk all day about my mom. So... Shout out to her. I love her so much. Um, like I said, she's just a, my true number one fan. Um, and um, like I said, I'm forever grateful for that. This also is the first Mother's Day for Kevin Kiermeyer's wife, Marissa, after their son was born in the off season. She's done such a good job of being a parent these, uh, you know, first six months. It's, you know, ever since Carter, Carter James has arrived to this world, I, I found a whole new appreciation and love for my wife watching her take care of them, um, it, it's amazing. It's amazing how much, you know, you can love 
such a you know your your baby obviously you, you love so much but like i said the new appreciation i've in love i've developed for my wife these past six months watching her bond and play with my son and you know wake up with him in the middle of the night and take care of him so much and you know never complain about it ever and a happy first mother's day to kevin kiermeyer's wife marissa now when ryan stanick thinks of his mom lisa he's extremely grateful i'm an adult but i'll still always be her her baby which is is good but and i talk to her every day so it's 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 pretty special i'm uh, like that i'm like so close with my with my with my family she's one of the most selfless people i've ever met um just something that happened recently and they came down i think it was the last homestand before this one and my brother being kind of a space cadet kind of running in the family wasn't it wasn't like gonna remember or whatever to tell my my parents like when his senior night was so they're on the they're driving down from Kansas City, and my brother's like, "Oh, hey, by the way, they're they're four hours from Tampa." They're like, he's like, "Hey, by the way, my senior night is on Saturday or whatever." And if you can believe it, Lisa Stanek convinced the college coach of Ryan's younger brother to move senior night so she could get there and still see Ryan pitch for the Rays. Now that's a special mom. Emilio Pagan's mom, Dawn, left her son with plenty of young memories on the baseball diamond. Me and her would go out in the front yard and play catch, you know, while my dad was at work before we'd have to go to the, to the park or whatever for the games. And uh, I remember when I was real young, I used to get so frustrated because she could throw harder than I could. And I would tell her in the front yard, I'd say, Mom, stop throwing me line drives, throw me, throw me pop flies. And I would try and throw her the hard ones back. But... Uh, you know, she had her catcher's mitt out there and was always willing to go out there and play catch with me and get me ready for games. So that's, uh, that's always a memory I look back on and laugh about and, uh, and enjoy. I'm guessing Emilio has a slight edge over mom now in terms of who throws harder. During his recent sin with the Rays and Major League Baseball debut, Nate Lowe recalled his mom, Wendy, doing a lot of heavy lifting. Literally. Let's see. She was great when I first got moved up to AA. Um, she packed a bunch of stuff into a U-Haul for me and uh, gave it to my dad and made him drive the whole way up to Montgomery from Orlando to have furniture in my apartment while I was in AA. Um, When I left short season, I flew down straight down to Instructs, and she and a friend actually flew all the way up to New York to Hudson Valley and drove over the course of two days from Hudson Valley back to Port Charlotte. So, yeah, I don't even know how many hours that was in the car, but it's just... Things like that kind of go overlooked, and it's nice to be able to take a day and look back and share with people what my mom does for me. I don't know many moms that would do something like that. Now, Austin Meadows recalls his mom, Stacy enjoying sports with him from the very beginning. Ever since I was a little kid, travel ball games, she always you know, took me. She always sacrificed so much to you know, be able to let me play and you know, pay for tournaments and, and this and that and baseball gear and you know, ever since I was three years old, so they, they've always been out there, whether it was baseball or football. Um, they've always supported me along the way, and they're actually here this weekend, which is good. But, um, I mean, if it wasn't for my mom, I don't know where I'd be, honestly, you know, for her to push me where I'm at and my dad as well. So they still follow me every day, and um, they're definitely excited to be here. I'm excited to spend Mother's Day with her. Any kind of fun stories she ever throw you BP or stuff like that? Or? We used to play catch all the time. <laughs> she uh, she played softball, so as you know, so she we uh, she would. I don't know if she's ever thrown me BP, but she's definitely thrown played catch with me. Uh, 
she's probably got just as good as an arm as I, maybe not now, but she definitely has a cannon. <laughs> and it's nice to have the skill Stacy Meadows provided on the field with the race here with Austin. Maybe the most heartwarming story I heard came from Adam Kalarik about his mom, Dorothy. Uh, she had a, uh, a short battle with uh, breast cancer, but has, you know, come out the other side just thriving and stronger than ever. So through that, I think she taught her whole family just how tough she is. You know, she keeps stuff to herself, but uh, we know that we can always count on her and rely on her, and she's definitely the strongest person in our family. Is there any story through that whole process that sticks out or something that you remember? Obviously, when you hear the word courage, there's got to be something that comes to mind. Sure. I mean, uh, one of the one of my favorite memories of my life is um, a few years after, you know, her clean bill of health was kind of, you know, we, were, we knew everything was okay. Um, we did the Race for the Cure uh, in Baltimore. Uh, the first year we walked it, you know, together, and my mom the following year, uh, throughout the year, was uh, training because she wanted to run it. So we ran it uh, the second year, and I still remember when we uh, when she crossed the finish line, and uh, she was just bawling her eyes out, giving us all a big hug because it was a, you know, not just an accomplishment of you know just you know surviving it, but then ac- accomplishing a new goal she set forth for herself. So it was that's definitely always stands out. And well said by Adam Kalerik, and a happy Mother's Day to all the moms listening. We certainly thank all the players for their wonderful stories regarding their moms on this Mother's Day. Hey, reminder, you can win big with the Rays with the Split the Pot raffle for every home game. You can join the raffle from the comfort of your home. If you can't get to Tropicana Field, all you have to do is go to RaysBaseball.com slash Split the Pot, and some restrictions apply. And also a reminder, get the most flex for your buck with the Rays Flex Pack. Save up to 60% off the single-game ticket price when you get five lower-level tickets for just $75. There are no blackout dates on great matchups all season, including the Yankees, the Red Sox, and more. Go to RaysBaseball.com slash flex for more information. Thanks to all the guests who came on the program today, in addition to those who gave their Mother's Day stories. Thanks to Charlie and Cindy Morton. Of course, talking about Mother's Day in part. Thanks also to Josh Fleming, left-handed pitcher from Montgomery. And thanks also to Dave Wills and uh, Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun for being with us. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me. Do so at Neil Solons. On next week's show, we will sit down with catcher Mike Sanino. That and much, much more. Thanks to our producer, Derek DeBose, Neil Solon saying stay tuned. The pregame show is next. Raising Yankees on the Race Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.